0: Hello, Minimizers. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Look around. We are busier and more stressed than ever. We've been told by many well-intentioned people that it's necessary or even virtuous to work hard, to grind, to toil. But what's the truth? Today on the podcast, we're talking about the toxicity of hustle culture. Mm. Then this Thursday on the Minimalist Private Podcast, Ryan and I will discuss emotional intelligence, kindness, and self-awareness. You can check that out at patreon.com slash theminimalists. Your support keeps our podcast and YouTube channel 100% advertisement free because, say it with me, advertisements, advertisements suck. suck. Yeah, they do. Ryan, our first question today is from Sarah on Facebook.
1: In a way, don't people say they're busy because it's cool to say your life is full of obligations? Mm. Let's
0: talk about busyness for a second, Ryan. Remember how it used to be a badge of honor for us, man?
1: I still (laughs) hear it all the time, don't you? Oh, yeah.
0: In fact, I often want to say it during like small talk. What, what, What are you up to? Oh, just real busy right now. Yeah. Now, what am I saying when I say I'm busy? I'm really saying my life is out of control Mm. whenever I say I'm busy. I'm really saying, I don't have control of my calendar. Mm. I don't have control of my own obligations. I don't have a control over the things that I do from day to day, from hour to hour, from minute to minute. Mm. So if I don't have control, who does? Mm. It's everyone else who's permeating my inbox. Yeah. It's everyone else who is dictating what I'm going to do on my calendar. I'm saying yes, yes, yes. And I'm accidentally saying no to the things that are most important. Mm. And so... To address Sarah's question head on, yes, we quite often do it, as Ryan said, as a badge of honor. It's almost become a a status symbol. Mm -hmm. I'll paraphrase Thoreau when he talks about, it's not enough to be busy. The question is, what are you busy about? Mm -hmm. That's not a direct quote, but that's the essence of of the quote. And so if I were to append that, the question is, what are you focused on? Mm And right now we're so busy because we're not very focused on the things that matter to us. It's very easy for us to just browse social media, to get on TikTok or Instagram or incessantly check my email over and over and over, responding to everyone else's emergency, pretending as though just because something's urgent to, to Jordan or Johnny jump up on the street it has to be urgent to me. Yeah. And it's really stressing us out. Mm. I've got this article here, Ryan, called The Toxicity of Hustle Culture. The Grind Must Stop. Now, I don't agree with that either, the, at least the title. Maybe it's meant to just get people thinking about it here. But I guess the question is, like, what are you hustling four. Mm. We were supposed to have Gary V on the podcast today. (laughs) And I was really looking forward to that, but unfortunately he's too busy to be here today. (gasps) Maybe because other people have control of his time and he feels so busy. He has so many obligations. And so he actually pitched us, asked us to be on the podcast. We didn't reach out to him Mm. to have him on. And I, I, first, I said no, because it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. If if there's anyone I disagree with more, I can't think of that person yeah. with respect to being busy and hustling and grinding. It's yeah. not that I disagree with that for him. It's just it's so unappealing to me mm. now mm-hmm. because, Ryan, back in our 20s, we lived a lot like that.
2: Yeah. 80 yeah. hours a week. Yeah. I mean, we did it to ourselves, man. You were talking about answering emails and text messages and phone calls. And, uh, we, the problem is we never said no to anyone and that creates a very busy life. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, that whole, that whole attitude of GTD, get things done. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we were living in. And yeah, you're right. Like being busy was this badge of honor. It was to the point of, you know, we would belittle our employees if they weren't busy enough. Or heaven forbid, they took all their vacation. <laughs> I mean, remember like how much ridicule people would get? Like they'd have two weeks of vacation. It's coming up on holidays, and they're like, Yeah, if I don't use it, I lose it. Right. Um, although you could get paid for it instead of taking the time off. So that's what, you know, the real that's what the executives. Did. They didn't take their vacation. They just, you know, took the extra two weeks' pay. Right. Where we had, you know, employees that were like, no, I'm gonna take the two weeks that I have. Mm -hmm. Spent some time with my family and man, like we just, uh, yeah, I, like I resent myself for looking down on people like that and not supporting them, um, doing what they need to do to recharge, doing what they need to do to, you know, keep their family life well. Instead, yeah, we looked at them and we're like, you're so lazy.
0: Yeah. We treated it as a character flaw. Yeah. Just because you want time for yourself outside of work, whatever, Mm -hmm. it was a character flaw. And the truth is, like, if you want that, fine. If you don't want that, that's also fine. And so I think we need to identify maybe our our friend Erwin McManus, who's been on the podcast a few times, he makes this great distinction between hurry and hustle. Mm. He's a big advocate of hustle, and for him— What he means by hustle is like being deeply compelled to do something and working hard at that thing at which you're deeply compelled to do almost a sort of devotion to the work or to the creativity. And that devotion is what he considers to be hustle. And for me, Mm -hmm. I have no problem with that. In fact, by that definition, by that viewpoint, then I hustle a lot, right? Yeah. I think the problem is, especially back in our corporate days, or even now, if I'm not careful, I will do things hastily in a hurried fashion. Uh, John Mark Comer wrote this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And Malabama, I think we're trying to get him on on the podcast. Um, And the, the fascinating thing about that is we have started to wear hurrying as a badge of honor as well. Yeah. It is virtuous to be what? Efficient. It's virtuous to be what? Productive. Nothing wrong with being efficient. Nothing wrong with being productive. In fact, people often think we, the minimalist, that's the 10 people in this room or whatever, are productive and we are productive in the sense that we produce things that we find to be meaningful creations. We're not productive in the sense that we must produce more. We must be more efficient. Efficiency is great as a byproduct. Productivity is great as a byproduct. If it becomes the point of doing what we're doing, then we're just going to be hurried. We're going to be hustling for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this article. Your alarm rings and you wake up. First thing, check your phone. You go to the bathroom, then recheck your phone. Then you eat breakfast while bolting out the door and simultaneously scrolling through emails. When you finally make it to work, you scarf down meals in between meetings. When you finally, quote, finish work, it still follows you home. You continue to check and respond to emails while watching Netflix and talking to your family. Finally, fall asleep, despite all the blue light in your home. The next day, Repeat. Does this sound familiar? It sounds pretty exhausting to me. This toxic cycle is called hustle culture, the societal standard that you must exert yourself at 110% capacity to succeed. Hustle culture is the collective drive to work harder, faster, stronger every single day. Hustle hustle culture doesn't take breaks. Hustle culture doesn't sleep. Hustle culture works day in and day out, pushing to maximize all 1,440 minutes in every day. You don't stop when you're tired. You stop when you're done. And throughout all of this, you must embrace the facade that you absolutely love what you do, no matter the pain it may cause. Mm. The unfortunate thing about this, Ryan, is you can often love doing something, as the, that's the vernacular they're using. I would just say you enjoy something you you enjoy creating maybe yeah. you enjoy writing but as soon as you put a a real formalized structure around it you can often stop enjoying it mm. i think about a writer who's now forced to write a book they don't want to write and they have a deadline in order to do it yeah
2: that thing that you loved now is draining to you yeah it's interesting how like i think part of the hustle culture is you know uh, find out what you're passionate about and then hustle to make money from that passion and what you just said, like, that's, that is a a surefire way to kill your passion. Right. Is to, to, to make it your busy work. Yes. Because it doesn't, it doesn't get to be a get to that now it turns into a have to, and there's nothing wrong with making money from what you're passionate about. Like, don't get me wrong, but you know, I, I have, uh, I got a, you know, a friend who called me the other day. He's like, Oh, I got this really good idea for uh for a blog and here's what I'm doing. And, you know, I know that you guys have a blog and, uh, uh, talk to me about monetizing it. And I'm like, no, dude. I'm like, if that's the reason why you want to start a blog, like that's a, it's not going to last. And be like, that's the wrong reason. You're going to hate the blog eventually. Yeah. And I would also apply that to anything else that we've
0: done. We started the podcast. There was no monetization of it. There were no right. ads. There was no Patreon. Mm-hmm. When we started touring, we lost tons of money touring yeah. because all the events were free and we would just show up and if we sold enough books in one night, we'd have enough money for a hotel room. And yeah. then the money was gone, maybe a meal. yeah. And then the money was gone and we'd do it all over again. It wasn't about monetizing the thing. The same is true with social media. We still don't monetize our social media. Right. And even the blog, there's, we don't make money directly off the blog. There are mm. some things that it can lead to that we can earn money from, but money has never been the point. Yeah, And if it's the point of doing what you do, then that's probably going to burn you out. Yes, over a long enough timeline. Mm. As you said, there's no there's no problem with making money. I want to earn a living. Everyone, yeah. I want to be able to earn enough money to pay everyone in this yes. room. Yeah. And the, where we get into trouble, though, is now I feel compelled by society, not by this inner compulsion to 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 create mm-hmm. to to make something worthwhile but yeah. i feel compelled by society here are the things i'm supposed to do i'm supposed to say yes to this meeting i'm supposed to say yes to this person i'm su- supposed to say yes to this project to this work to this obligation to these hours mm-hmm. and At first, when you're starting, saying yes to a lot of things makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. because you don't know what to say no to right away. So try different things out. Like as a baby, when babies are first trying food, it's like you can tell whether they like it or not right away. But the only way you can tell that is if they try it out. When you enter the workplace, it's the same thing. I'll try this out. I'll try going to meetings on Monday mornings. Mm -hmm. The problem is when you and I clung to meetings for a dozen years. Yeah. Oh, we have to go to a meeting. We have to show up and do this thing I over used to feel and over. So
2: important, man! Oh, <laughs> I think that's the other piece of it too, right? That's why it's a badge of honor. You feel important. You feel like you're making a contribution. Um, well, especially from where we came from, where you know, none of our uh, none of our, our 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 parents or you know, um, aunts, uncles, like none of them were like these executives, right? So we saw this opportunity to have some influence. Oh, I'm an executive. I'm I'm a manager. I'm a regional manager, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you get with the wrong company, then you have to be busy in order to have that role. And we never stop to ask ourselves why. Mm.
0: Like, why will this make me important? And, mm. and okay, may, let's say it does make me important. Why do I want to be important? Right. Oh, is it because I want to be validated by someone else? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is this the best way to get that validation? Or can I recognize the whole sham that being validated by others is anyway. Mm. Because I spent a lot of time making myself miserable in order to be important. Mm. Mm. What an equation. Introducing low-grade suffering into my life just so that I can seem important to other people. Yeah. Now, how do I become important over them? I have to have dominion over them. Yeah. Right? And so the hustle culture leads to all of this toxicity. In fact, there are five or maybe 10 things here. What to do when you're stuck in hustle culture. I'm just going to read a few of these Podcast, Sean. I If you could put a link to this article in the show notes, I'd really appreciate it. But the, uh, so it talks about the impacts of hustle, hustle culture. It talks about some different data they have here, how we're actually less productive the more we hustle. Mm. So that's fascinating. We yeah. think we're doing something, but we're really just spinning our wheels. Yeah. What to do when you're stuck in hustle culture? Number one, start with awareness. By becoming aware, if you are in a cycle of hustle culture, you possess the foundation for change. So of course, yeah, if you're also aware that, hey, this thing that I'm hustling for is making me miserable, That's a problem. However, if you're hustling and you feel so fulfilled and rewarded by the hustle that you're doing, great. why would you stop that? Yeah. And so it doesn't have to stop. That's why I have problems with articles like this. They treat it so binary. Hustle culture, bad. No, 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 no. Toxic hustle culture often makes us miserable Mm -hmm. because of the hurry, because of the busyness, because of the Mm over-obligation. But hustling towards something that we devote ourselves to can be really beautiful. Yeah. A couple more things here. Acknowledge what's important to you. So, of course, that's what we're talking about here. If you're hustling towards something that is actually important to you, not oh, uh, I'm going to be important, but what is actually important to me? Yeah. Man, that's really helpful.
2: It Makes me think about um, yeah, when I was just kind of going over what was important to me after that packing party, where I was listing out like, oh man, here are the things that are important to me, and that was the the first step to actually creating um, some different behavior in myself because i realized that hardly any of my actions actually aligned with what was important to me
0: no wonder you were so discontented right yeah, yeah. because well and we're next week we're talking with ian cron we actually recorded this yesterday but we had a podcast episode with ian cron and uh, he wrote sort of two definitive books on the Enneagram on personality tests and identity. So the episode next week is about identity clutter. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you talk about in depth there, I'll just touch on it briefly, is no wonder we're so miserable because we feel all this shame Mm. when our actions don't match our values. Mm -hmm. And so what what do we try to do? Quite often we try to change our actions. We try to change what we're doing. We try to hustle more. Mm. We don't stop to question what we're valuing. Yeah. What is actually important to me? Yeah. I'll, I'll read one more. Huge step. Here. Yeah, absolutely. I'll read one more here. Reward yourself now, not later. Hustle culture is built on the mantra that your hard work will someday pay off. Break this cycle by creating boundaries in your schedule and reward yourself with practices that will build your resilience and prevent future burnout. I think that's one of the things that people run into the burnout side of things, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not getting any fuel from this. I've burnt all of my fuel by hustling, hustling, hustling. What am I really getting from this? I'm working 70, 80, 100 hours a week. Our friend Colin Wright, when he first stumbled into minimalism, it's because he was working 100 to 120 hours a week Mm. with
2: his own design studio. And he realized like this is not
0: sustainable.
2: Dude, leads to burnout. And I kind of want to go into burnout, but I know we have a question about burnout, so I will save it.
0: Well, let's move on to Amanda's question. If you have a question for us, by the way, or a minimalism tip, give us a call 406-219-7839 or email a voice memo to podcast at minimalists.com. Amanda in Seattle, Washington has a question for us. When
1: um, you recognize that you know, hustling is leading you to a burnout. What is the advice on how to approach that with your employer? Um, I've seen a lot of people that just end up hitting that burnout and they end up taking a lot of time off on FMLA or, you know, how do you approach that with your employer before that point? And what's your advice on where to go from there?
2: All right, so let's let's talk about burnout and uh, what leads to burnout. What What happens, is you say yes to as many things as possible, right? And maybe it feels really good to fulfill all these needs, to help people, to contribute, whatever it is, whatever need it's fulfilling, because it's fulfilling something, right? Um, the problem is, is that eventually, you you like look at your schedule, you look at your life, and, and you're like, oh my god, what have I done? Mm. How <laughs> how has it got to this point? Now, here's the problem with burnout. If you're already burnout, that's you're in this situation where you think it needs to be binary. Either I continue to burn out or I quit my job. And that sucks because now you're in this like pressure cooker situation. Mm -hmm. So um, what I'm trying to say is, is if you're already burnt out, it's kind of too late, but that's okay. Um, You can still create some boundaries and do some things to help get out of the situation. But um, I'm just thinking to myself where I was so burnt out. I'm like, Oh my God, I have to like, I got to quit my job. Right. Yeah.
0: And, and in fact, I think the reason that we go toward that, Ryan, is because here's the problem. We're talking about how, she's what she's really asking, Amanda, is how do I reset expectations yes. with my boss as though it's a one-time thing? Here's the problem. Let's say you've worked there, like you and I were at the same company. I was there for a dozen years. Mm-hmm. For a dozen years, my daily actions set a particular expectation. Yes, And so if I said, hey, I'm willing to work 90 hours a week, mm-hmm. then that was the expectation I was setting. And not only was I setting that expectation once, I was setting it every day. I was setting that expectation when I was responding to emails mm. at 2 a.m. or whatever it was, right? Like whenever I was constantly working, hey, I'm, my expectation was I'm willing to outwork everyone else. And again, nothing wrong with that if that is the byproduct, but it became the point for me yeah. of, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work harder than you. Well, why? I don't know. I didn't stop to ask myself why. And so, the unfortunately, the simplest path at this point, Amanda, may be to find a similar job mm-hmm. in the same area. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you work in tech. Well, finding a different tech job mm-hmm. there in Seattle may be easier for you
2: to set those expectations with the clean slate. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. I, what it makes me think about is what you did with our boss when uh, he was you, you were out to dinner on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and he's calling you, and you're like, yeah, you're out to dinner. Yes. And you're like, no, I'm not. I was an- on a date. Yeah, like, no, I'm not answering this. Uh-huh. And uh, he just kept calling and calling and calling. Yes. And eventually.
0: Like, like a crazy ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend,
2: right? Yes, right, yeah. 20 missed calls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So then, yeah, you pick up the phone. Hey, what can I do for you? Where are your sales at right now? Where are your sales at? How are your stores doing? And mm-hmm. you were like, oh, you want me to tell you how my sales, I have no idea. Yeah. It's six o'clock on Christmas Eve and I'm out to dinner right uh-huh. now. Well, That's unacceptable. Like, and you were like, no, I think your, your expectation is unreasonable. Yeah. That's the problem. And I think in a weird way, we were both right.
0: Yeah. It it was unacceptable in that culture. It was. And and so here's the the weird thing about, so I did reset an expectation with him. Hey, I'm not going to answer your phone calls anymore after 5 p.m. And why did, why were you able to set that expectation? Well, two reasons. One is because I added so much value that, um, I, I was able to dictate some terms, right? Mm -hmm. Because I had some freedom there. Now here's, here's the honest answer though. Hmm. The dynamic of my work changed significantly after that. I was no longer the prized employee there mm. because of the expectation of that culture, of yeah. that corporation mm. was, especially in these middle management or upper, upper management roles, you had to be accessible like a doctor yeah. 24 hours a day. Except we weren't saving anyone's lives. I couldn't even save my own life. Mm. My own life was in shambles, but I was supposed to be on call like a doctor. And so you're right. I was able to reset an expectation that gave me a longer runway. But ultimately, that expectation resetting didn't change their expectations long term. And so I did have to find an exit. And that's what I would say to Amanda. Don't jump up and quit. But if the expectations of the culture, you're not going to change the culture of a company. You can, however, find a company with a culture that aligns with your values. Go back and listen to our episode that we did with Ken Coleman recently. He had a new book come out. Uh, It was a recent episode. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. But Amanda, I'd love to send you a couple tickets to our Love People, Use Things tour Mm -hmm. event Ryan and I are in the middle of this tour. It's 20 different cities all over the U.S. and Canada. We have 11 cities left. We'll be in New York and Boston and D.C. We'll be in Chicago and Toronto and Minneapolis and Columbus. We'll be in Vancouver and Los Angeles and Seattle and San Francisco. You can find tickets at theminimalists.com slash tour. If you can't make it to any of those events, though, we're posting all 20 over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash theminimalists. You can watch or listen Listen to all twenty of those events, but Amanda, you don't have to worry about that. We're going to send you a couple tickets to the upcoming Seattle event, which is taking place,
2: I think, next month. All right, man. Technically, it's an international tour, man, <laughs> <laughs> because of Canada. Yeah, and if she wanted, she could go to Vancouver. But, it's just a little bit north.
0: That's right. Come uh, on up.
2: The, but, the, the one thing I do want to say here, though, is like when you're resetting these expectations, when you're telling someone no. It's not just looking at them and saying no. Like, it's really helping them understand why you're saying no. And you do that by helping them understand what you're saying yes for. Yes.
0: Instead of saying no, no, no. It's like the same thing we talk about with Christmas gifts. Yeah, It's not about no, no, no. Don't give me Christmas gifts bah humbug. You don't want to be bah humbug at work either. Mm -hmm. You can say yes. In fact, I do this with my daughter all the time. Uh, Can we go eat at Tatsu Ramen? It's her favorite restaurant. Yes, we can do that. Next week, if you behave yourself between now and then, so I'm not saying no, we're not going there tonight because it's effectively the same answer, but I'm saying yes to some future uh, future expectation, future desire for her. And you yeah. can do the same thing here. You can reposition it. You can, you can reframe it in a way where we're saying yes mm-hmm. to the things that are truly important. And that might mean you have to say no to some of the busy work, some of the hurry that's going on in your life right now. Hey, Alabama! Can we check in with the Patreon live stream? Do we have any comments right now?
1: We have a lot of listeners that are tuning in from the UK, Sweden, Australia, Czech Republic, Denmark, and so much more. Oh, wow!
0: Well, we have, uh, you know, we have no tour stops over there right now. There are quite a few <laughs> travel restrictions. <laughs> yeah, but um, we hope to see you as
2: soon as uh, as soon as we're able to get to the other side of this. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is? It's time for the lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions. Your comments to nine three seven two zero two four six five
0: four. You nailed it, nailed it. Those those texts actually go to both of our phones. This weekend, I uh, hopped on, Ryan. I probably spent, I spent had on Friday, four or five hours responding to maybe 500 different text messages. Mm. Sometimes I'll just I'll just go in and answer real quickly. Or uh, Yeah, they'll ask a question. I'm like, we just did a video about this. How come yeah. they haven't seen it? Of course they haven't seen it. So yeah. I'll just send them a link to the video or they'll ask some long question or short question. I'll just send them some sort of pithy response. So uh, yeah. we don't answer every question. We do answer occasionally some here on the show. So during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer questions with a short shareable, less than 140 character response. We put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you like. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place minimalmaxims.com. Todd has a question for us.
1: I made the hard decision of giving up my career after 16 years because the stress was killing me. How do I get past the pressure to go after another traditional career, a big house, a nice car?
0: So, this is actually. My This is tweetable, I know, because I tweeted it to make sure. <laughs> but this is an excerpt from an essay that I just wrote. So during our Right Here, Right Now segment, where we talk about one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist, we have a brand new essay up on the website. It's called Nobody Has the Power to Upset You. Mm, love it. This was really uh, helpful for me yesterday. Um, but... Uh, This is an excerpt from that essay. We're going to talk about it on the Maxwell episode a bit more, but here's my pithy answer. What others think, what they believe, what they expect, these are bars to a prison cell. To break free, you must realize that those bars are lining their cage, not yours. You can walk away at any point. Mm. So, Ryan, let's talk about these expectations, because really what he's talking about here, you may not want the traditional career, the big house, the nice car. These are things that other people want, and they also want you to want them, or at least that's what you think. You think they want you to be in a big house. Maybe they'll appreciate you more. Maybe they'll love you more. Maybe Mm. they'll care about you more. Maybe they'll need you more if you have more of these resources, right? But that's a type of prison. But those prison bars are theirs. They're trapped by that. Yeah, they're trapped by their need for a bigger house mm. for a fancier car for an important job title. Yeah, well, you we, don't have you can walk away from those
2: bars. They're not yours to hold on to what we were talking about. Um, this isn't my pithy answer, but it could maybe it could be pithy. But the whole uh, uh, when you when you let your expectations be dictated by society, it can only create anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the problem is like we are. Yes, we're letting others create our, our, uh, our, our needs, our wants. Um, here's my pithy answer. When you sacrifice your contentment, all that remains is discontentment. Yes. So it sounds real simple, but we don't appreciate that enough. No. Every time you say yes to something, and it creates, and it sacrifices some type of uh, contentment in your life, then you're just creating more room for discontentment. Now, we gotta pay taxes, Josh. We got we to fill out paperwork. Mm-hmm. We got to be on the road. There are things that we don't necessarily want to do, but we have to sacrifice a little bit to get to where we want. The problem is when we sacrifice too much. Or we sacrifice
0: our values.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So, and so,
0: what, what is important to you? We often ask that question, but here's the truth right now. Whatever you're doing right now is literally by definition and by its very essence, whatever you're doing right now is the most important thing to you. So if you are on TikTok scrolling through videos, that is the number one most important thing to you. If you're on Instagram checking out butts and cleavage, Fine, but just recognize that is the most important thing to you right now. If you're in a podcast studio in Los Angeles and you're recording a podcast, that's the most important thing to you right now. If you're checking email, that's the most important thing to you right now. Mm -hmm. If you're driving to work, that in that moment, driving to work is the most important thing to you. If you're out running five miles and you're listening to this podcast, that is the most important thing to you. Mm -hmm. If you're cooking dinner for your family, that is the most important thing to you, Mm. if you're simply wasting time and you feel miserable doing it, well, then maybe you might want to change what is actually important to you because whatever you're doing Mm. is the most important thing right now.
2: Yeah. You know, the one thing I'll say, uh, with Todd's question too, is he, he's talking about wanting the bigger house, wanting the nice car. And again, when you and I were kind of having a conversation about this, about this lightning round question, um, I had mentioned that, you know, when we, when we have the appropriate relationships in our lives, like the appropriate, like good relationships in our lives, a lot of these urges, uh, they're not as, as big. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, shameless plug of our book, love people use things. We talk about seven important relationships. Yes. With people, but also with finances, also with creativity, also, uh, you know, with, with, with the other four, four other, uh, relationships we have in there. But the thing is, is that when you have healthy relationships in your life, you don't look for these shortcuts. Cause that's what, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. The big house, the nice car, this is a shortcut to ephemeral happiness. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know what, if you had a Lamborghini and a multi-million dollar mansion, you're going to feel happy for about six seconds yes. until you got to like take care of those things until you have to like continue to work to, 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 uh, to maintain those things. So Todd, I would just really encourage you to really focus on those important relationships in your life, making sure that those are healthy and then maybe look at these desires because I still, you know, I'll drive in LA, man, There's just just like millions and millions of dollars everywhere, right? Yes. Like I'll drive past the mansion and for a split second, you know, Mariah will be in the car with me and I'll be like, that's a really cool house. That's a nice looking house man, wouldn't it be cool to own something like that? Uh But then, you know, and we can kind of talk about it and, and, you know, like daydream about like, oh, well, in order to afford that, we'd have to like win the lottery or something. But then I can quickly dismiss it and say like, do I really want that? Like, no, I don't want all that extra space. What's the cost of that thing? Yeah, there's so much more cost than the monetary cost of it. And it's very easy for me to ignore that and I think that has to do with my theory is, is because I have a good relationship with Mariah. I have a good relationship with you. I have a good relationship with everyone else who works for us. I have a a good relationship with my finances and and everything. So I'm not looking for the shortcuts. And Todd, I would just posit that maybe there's some other things you could focus on first before looking for the shortcuts.
0: Here's a concise way to look at that, because I think you're spot on. You have a wonderful relationship, a healthy relationship with enough. Mm, what is yeah. enough? And mm. you can see those things and you can appreciate them. Oh, wouldn't it be cool to have that house or that Lamborghini or whatever, mm. but you recognize I already have enough. And that might be too much for a whole host of reasons. It's a too much money, too much insurance, too much taking care of the thing, mm-hmm. too much worrying about the thing, all of these additional costs. And I think this is the difference between a want and a desire. Yeah. A want is like, oh yeah, I really want to buy that new Range Rover. Wouldn't it be nice to have that? A one to some, oh, that'd kind of be nice to have without me really thinking about the depths of the discontent it might cause. Yeah. A desire, however, a desire means I'm willing to somewhat sacrifice for that. I am mm-hmm. feel so compelled that I'm willing to devote myself to that. And, That has nothing to do with a car. Yeah. You can't be, it's almost impossible to be passionate about buying a Lamborghini. You might get to get excited about it. Yeah, But passion, the root of passion means to suffer. So if you're willing to suffer for something that you can devote yourself to, then you deeply desire it. Hmm. If it just be nice to have, that's just a want. Yeah. And you can let go of the want and instead pursue something that is worth suffering for.
2: Yeah. And I want to be clear, like, there's nothing wrong with having a nice house. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. The problem is when it costs you your peace. That is, and that's where Todd's at. He's like, oh, my, I still want to give up my peace for this. And that's, that's mm-hmm. what we're, we're really suggesting you look at. You know, there's this parable in the Bible that has never made sense to me. Jesus talks about this man who wanted a pearl. He wanted it so badly. And he, he like, he was on the hunt for this pearl. And eventually he found one and he dropped everything for it, gave up everything for it. And he was so happy he had this pearl. And the parable is like, well, seek God like that. But the, I don't understand the parable with the pearl because it seems so silly to give up everything for one little pearl. Have you heard of this parable at all? It reminds me of a Sufi parable that's it's fairly similar, mm.
0: but it's um where this guy runs into this mystic and and he goes, I just you you the mystic had this beautiful like the largest diamond in the world i'm going to butcher the parable you'll get the <laughs> the point of and he, he goes oh i would do anything to get the, that it's the most beautiful diamond in the world my life would be so much better with it and the mystic just hands it over to him and says here you go mm. and then so he has it now he's like oh why don't know, i feel any better and a day goes by a week goes by a month goes by he goes back to the mystic and he goes if i give this back to you will you show me how you can just give it away so easily. <laughs> oh. And so the willingness to let go yeah. is really what he was searching for. He was searching for the contentment. Mm. He was searching for knowing he already had enough and he didn't need the biggest diamond in the world or anything else leading up to it yeah. because that mystic already
2: had enough. Oh man, there's something there with like letting go of the desire. And yeah, it's, it's like... um. You don't have to wait to find the pearl or the diamond to to have the willingness to let go. Like you can skip the difficult part. That's right. And just focus on letting go. You know, a lot of times like we we have conversations like this and people will um kind of look at it like, well, this is selfish. You don't you know, you don't want to just tell people no all the time and you know, you, you don't want to um you know, just put your own needs first. Sure. And if you're only if you're putting only your needs first then yes, like that's a problem. But when it comes to your peace and contentment, it's it's totally appropriate to set some boundaries and to set some expectations, and I feel like sometimes people are afraid of coming off as selfish. Mm-hmm. But really, when you are putting your uh, when you're putting your piece first, and you're asking people around you to help with that, um, that uh, in a way, it's I think it's selfless actually.
0: Yeah. And if anything, it's self-interested without it being selfish. And Mm. even if it is selfish, so what? What's the alternative? I'm selfless, but miserable. Yeah, right. Who wants that? And so When we're behaving in these ways where your actions align with your values, you have a a healthier relationship with those seven relationships you talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. whether it's your stuff or with other people or with the truth or with your finances, you have these healthy relationships. Yes, it's self-serving, but it's also serving others. And what a beautiful symbiotic relationship that is. Yeah. Ryan, I got a silly added value segment I wanna to get to in a minute, but Alabama, you got something for us first.
1: Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Hi Josh and Ryan, this is Claudia in Santa Barbara. I have a tip that I thought of when Josh was talking about his mostly empty filing cabinet because I remember my mostly empty filing cabinet. I realized that this tip might be a little regional and not be as convenient or available to everyone but many banks offer a low-cost or even free safe deposit box for their customers. I keep all of our important papers and things like birth certificates, wills, passports, and Social Security cards in the safe deposit box at a bank less than a mile away from our home. I replaced my mostly empty filing cabinet with a small clear accordion file that holds copies, not originals, of what is in the safe deposit box, along with one of the keys to the box taped inside. Those hard copies are mostly for someone else who might need to know where the originals are, but another set of copies is saved digitally on my computer. Another tip is that at that same bank, they will take bags of paper to shred. So when I have more than a couple of sheets, I just take them in and ask them to shred them for me. Hi, this is Amanda from Bloomington, Indiana, uh, and I have a small tip for uh, Maya from the episode 202 by once. Uh, I purchase food for two people now since I live with my fiance so I started to notice I was spending more in my budget. Uh, the way I found to keep the overall cost down is to plan out your dinners and meals for the week. Not necessarily meal prepping ahead of time, but just planning out what you want to make every night. This helped me get in and out of the store while avoiding picking up extra unnecessary snack items, and having a menu helped encourage me to cook at home. It also got me more excited about the actual act of cooking, so I started looking forward to cooking at home, instead of coming home and dreading it and then end up buying something out to eat.
0: By the way, Ryan, we have a bunch more surprise questions this week. Like, how do I prepare myself adequately to have uncomfortable conversations with other people? How do I establish boundaries with others without being accused of being oversensitive? I finally quit my stressful career after 30 years. How do I figure out what my next move is? Plus a million more questions for... The minimalists. And if you want to hear all that, check out the Minimalist private podcast this week. Visit patreon.comslash the minimalists to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. You also gain immediate access to hundreds of hours of private archives, recordings of live events, exclusive home tours, and our private community of thousands of open minded minimizers like you. You can follow the minimalists on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Minimalists. If you want our podcast show notes in your Box Sign up for our email list at theminimalists.com. On behalf of Ryan Nicodemus, Podcast Sean, Malabama, Jordan No More, Social Jess, Danny Unknown, Emma the Immigrant, oh, we have Jacob in here from Booklight as well. I'm Joshua Fields-Milburn reminding you to love people and use things because the opposite never
2: works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing